0: My name is Michael Kuhl. And I'm Roger Burton-West. And this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, the fourth of the series. And this month we are... In Space! Do you think we can get a nice echo effect on that? Ah, then we can do something. Okay. And we're going to be looking at a specific bit of space. And that will be the space opera, the far future, the great grand scale of uh, of science fiction. None of you are piddling near-future stuff. No. Today, we are going for something with scope, I think. So what is space opera?
1: Well... It's a, it's a type of science fiction which means people will argue endlessly
0: about definitions. This is true. Um, I think of space opera as involving, as I said, scale and scope. Huge interstellar... Um, civilizations, great um issues uh, and matters, and for some reason very rococo Ruritanian politics uh is involved. I think though I think there was very little of that in the um archetypical works of uh Space Opera, which were E. Doc Smith's,
1: which oh, has that's certainly
0: one of them yeah. starkly inconceivable far future uh science which made not much sense at all. And square-jawed men and square-jawed things, or square something, anyway. To start with, space opera has to be about things that role
1: playing does quite well, anyway. Lots of action, lots of melodrama, and it's not so much about internal conflict or puzzle stories, both of which can work quite well in science fiction in general.
0: Mm, no, it's it's about um, people doing stuff. It's about um, it's about doing things that matter. It's not. Um, on a piddling scale. And in the background are whole galaxies in play sometimes.
1: I think it comes also from um, the earlier horse opera and soap opera terms. It, it was the, co- the term was coined to to compare it with those as opposed to proper science fiction.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I think of Dune as um, another exemplar of space opera. And it's not devoid of hard SF content, but um, it is tending towards the fantastic at the fringes. Nobody's going to stop and worry about exactly how the spaceships work. Well, no. Um, I'm going to try and have a word later on about the virtues of handwavium and techno babble in this particular field.
1: But I would certainly say that um, space opera allows fairly fuzzy science. Don't ask too many questions. It works.
0: Hmm. It, there's got to be at least one major piece of, of stuff we, don't, we can't really do now, and that's interstellar travel, I think. If you're not getting out of the solar system, then I'm not going to classify it as a space opera, and for that reason, I'm uh, putting Firefly, and its, uh, the c- series and its role-playing bits to one side, because, um, no, honestly. I will come back and argue with you on that later. Okay. But one problem... That comes from um, from the fact that it has so much scale. Is the how is how you handle that? If you have thousands of worlds, something that, for example, a traveller has. I can't remember how many exactly how many worlds are contained in the official depicted bits of the universe, but it's certainly in excess of a, a thousand and more.
1: Yeah, r- written up with detailed stuff. I think they ended up pu- publishing the raw stats for all of them. Hmm. Um, they they published two sectors in detail, which is probably about two hundred odd worlds each, something like that.
0: Yeah, the the, the grand survey um, of everything in the Imperium, plus everything they've detailed outside, it makes for a great deal of depth. However, however shady, but it does does provide a management problem for the GM and certain design considerations that you have to make. Strangely, the first thing that people tend to do in certain circumstances, given this amount of scale at their availability is to cut cut it down. For example, there's um, a game called Burning Empires, which is a, a derivative of Burning Wheel. And it's set in an SF universe with a crumbling empire being gradually invaded by nasty alien mind-controlling worms. And the thing it does to bring everything under control is to say, this particular game will be about one world, and the first thing you will decide is what this world is like and what your playground is going to be, and the rest of the empires are in the background and we won't touch it. And similarly,
1: Diaspora uh, starts off by defining, I think, a set of five or six worlds, something like that, yeah, which are going
0: to be the immediate campaign. One can go on to more later, but... Yeah, and uh, it, it's a it's an interesting compromise. But one of the problems is that spaceship travel is one of the primary shticks of space opera, and as some pirate or other once remarked, a ship is freedom, and you want to be able to allow them to just get up and go, and that can be a terrible strain if you don't like improvising one step ahead of the players, or even one step behind the players sometimes. On the other hand,
1: if you have Fifty, a hundred worlds written up, mm. and suddenly books of worlds will will sell if you're a role-playing game publisher. Yeah. You've got en- enough fans to. I buy
0: never quite them. understand why why S.J.G. hasn't done um, more of the GURPS space atlases things. Presumably, mm. Well,
1: I think part of the problem is that fitting a world into an existing campaign is hard, and GURPS has the usual fragmentation problem in that it, it's not the most popular role-playing game already. Mm. Science fiction, space, world-hopping is not the most popular genre within it. Yeah. And the GMs who can actually buy a world and fit it into the campaign... Mm,
0: Take your point. They do slightly shoot themselves in the foot with there being no official computerised means of uh, doing their solar system generating... um, there are, I believe, oh, unofficial really. ones. Though. There are unofficial, unofficial ones. Um, last time I looked, they didn't do what, what I wanted them to do. I have a grand project sticking on uh, my, my wall at home of wanting to do a near-Earth map of, uh, of all the 100 uh, nearest stars to Earth and st- try to start building up a... Uh, never mind. I'll have, to, I'll, have, I'll have to write one then. Oh, you um, will. You yeah. will. I'd sell it to Um But what I was going to try and go on to say before starting to ramble was that one way to contain it is to um, set, not not to put any set limits, you can't jump beyond this particular cluster, but to say, here we are, we're on the borders of the empire. And I think that's probably a good shtick wherever you start. Start on the fringes of explored space with civilised worlds behind you and the uh, the unknown before and the wild, recently settled worlds near at hand as a base. And step out from there. I think that would be something I'd be inclined to, to try if I were doing a, a large-scale, traveller-esque type of game. That
1: is more or less what I did in my last traveller-esque game. I ended up running up about 15, I think, worlds mm-hmm. um, set on the border between two empires that were gradually expanding into the same space. Yeah. Part of the difficulty is, of course, if, if you've got a mapped-out universe, you don't have an exploration game. Mm. If you wonder what's at that next star over, well, it's in the Space Atlas. Yeah. Uh, And at least some of the time it's fun to to do exploration.
0: Hmm. I think the trouble is that uh, doing exploration realistically and sensibly is precisely the opposite. No, actually, that's not a problem, is it? The fact that it's precisely the opposite of uh, average player behaviour isn't a problem, it's an opportunity. They're going to go, they're going to play um, the enterprise in the early season going uh, blundering in, causing all sorts of er errors, and the equivalent of the Balkan science officer shaking her head and saying... Well, Traveller New Era tried to do this to some
1: extent. It it was set more or less in the Traveller universe, but after after a huge galaxy spanning collapse of civilization. Mm -hmm. So you could have your old library data, and this, this is the 200 year old information that you've recovered from your own World's yeah. banks. so you say. Okay, two hundred years ago, there was this thriving high-tech civilization. What has happened to it now? Mm-hmm. That's something you have to go out and explore. And if there, if there are people there who have stuff worth buying and selling, then that can then become a tra- game with trading partners and so on.
0: There was also in the Traveller uh, line, a uh, Nort, which was the founding of the Third Imperium, which is the, which is again after a collapse of an, of an emperor, but an even longer long night. And uh, people going out from one well, and uh, and founding found the the new empire and um, being imperialists, um, which was um, which involved a certain amount of bad behavior which I could see might appeal to some games
1: Part of the problem of course, is that if you if you have a bunch of world write ups, players aren 't going to read them, even if it 's a paragraph per world they 're probably not going to read it. I, I, I've got players who, who might. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> this this has certainly been my usual experience. They they, they want to, they want lots of detail to be there, but, but they, they then don't take want... advantage of it. Okay. Um, all right. In that case, yeah. so so I, I think if one's going to do that, it's a good idea to have a very short capsule summary of the world. So this, so you can say, right, you're going there. Roughly speaking, it's a high tech dictatorship. Hmm. It's a
0: Free and easy pleasure world, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is a problem in uh, in all sorts of science fiction. Is it? Uh, you get the the planet of the X, the planet where they all wear hats, the planet where it's all desert, um, the planet where they're all religious fanatics, and we, we
1: we have to mention Star Wars here, really. Oh, oh. Um, it, it, it's been a huge influence on space opera since hmm. since it came out. And one, one of the things that it certainly gave us was the, the planet... Well, okay, it didn't originate it because Flash Gordon does exactly the same thing, yeah. but the planet that's
0: fundamentally all the same. Well, I th- you'll find it on, on Star Trek uh, as well. Um, and uh, they do they, they make fun of it on, uh, on Stargate. It's all trees. They're always trees. But yes, it, it, this is probably inevitable, given the the amount of work that creating an entire planet but even outlining an entire planet uh, would be. And there's, uh, there's enough on on this one that we've got at the moment to uh, to boggle the minds of most historians, ethnologists, geologists, and every other speciality we've come up with. And
1: the one thing one can't do, of course, is use
0: Ken usual trick of setting something in the real world. Mm. Yeah, because, well, we're going out and we're finding exciting new things. Where should the new come from? We were going to talk about technology, weren't we, and how much it mattered.
1: Well, the the thing that strikes me particularly is how much technology shapes the sort of adventure one can use. Yeah. The, a campaign I ran a little while ago, that This Dim Spot, which was not particularly space-operatic, started off with all the tech being realistic except for the hyperdrive. Mm-hmm. So the space drives were not things we could build now, but they were recognisably rockets of some sort. Yeah. Unfortunately, if you do that, it takes you about a month or two to get across the solar system, which in turn means that you're not going to be able to um, use an adventure where somebody is sending a distress call and they've only got hours before mm-hmm. something bad happens.
0: And, uh, and also, you are going okay to spend a, a lot of time... Uh, didn't you have to introduce uh, freeze-drying people, uh, rather suspended animation, in order to, to make uh, the, the, the journey work? That wasn't actually necessary. But for plot reasons, it seemed appropriate. Oh. Since, since I was blatantly
1: ripping off aliens.
0: Fair enough. I think that... Um, I have a I have a player in uh, in one of my groups whose, whose objection to all forms of SF is that, badly done, the character's equipment list becomes more important than the character's personality. And he's good on personality, not that good on equipment lists. And that people... Can just define their characters as their gun, their cyber enhancements, even their genetic modifications, and he feels that that pushes out characterization as a primary obsession about the but I got the feeling that technology should make a difference to characterization, but you have to do it very 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 slowly, one bit at a time, so, something that the the players can handle and imagine
1: i I think the, the touchstone that I tend to use is: Is it still going to matter what skills people have other than operate equipment? Hmm. And broadly, the answer should be yes. I mean, yes. If, if I've got a laser rifle and you've got a pointy stick, and we're starting half a mile apart, yeah. then I'm going to win that fight.
0: If I've got a pointy stick and I stick and I have sneak up behind you, awesomely skill, um, then maybe it evens it out a little.
1: Yeah, so some skills can get supplanted by tech. Um, guns are one of them, uh, camouflage, stealth, and things like that. Some generally interpersonal skills tend not to be. I, I think it's probably a matter of maintaining a balance of the sort of thing that happens in
0: the game to make sure skills stay important. I Well... Skill and personality aren't quite the same. aren't quite the same thing. I, I'm
1: just thinking of things that are intrinsic to the character rather than something that anybody could have by going into a shop and buying it.
0: Yeah. I said earlier I was going to mention um hand wavium um and, uh, and Psychobabble and Technobabble, and not Psychobabble but I'm sure Psychobabble has a place as well. It's true that if you go far enough in the future there must have been more changes than just one. There must be stuff that they can do which we can't imagine. And nobody has ever put down a complete list of um, what the deflector shield can do in uh, for a, a Starfleet uh, spaceship because it's there as a plot device.
1: This is one of the key storytelling differences, I think, between role-playing games and other media. Mm-hmm. If you're writing a book, if you're writing a film script, you can say, this one time this particular gadget does this handy thing to get people out of a hole. And then we will never mention it again. Actually, actually, if I'm writing it, I can't do that. It's sloppy writing, but you can get away with it to some extent. Mm. Whereas you you once expose uh, that sort of idea to players and they will say, right, we want to use this every week because it's a really handy thing to be able to do. True. There's um, heroes. Um, Similarly, um, in in a lot of narrative forms... Any ability that a hero has will only work once because it's boring if he does it repeatedly. Hmm. In many role playing games, that's exactly what players want to do. If they found the thing that works really well, they want to do it repeatedly.
0: Yeah, also true. I poke him through the eyes and that again. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying for the feel of uh, space opera, I think there should be somewhere an allowance for the, the, the wild gadgeteering. Thing. I mean, it goes back to um, Lensman and Doc Smith. And his heroes, particularly in Lensman, but in the Skylark Institute of Space, I think, and, and others, are always putting together unique and incredible gadgets, even more incredible than the incredible gadgets that were in the last book.
1: My particular favourite is, I think, Space Hands of the IPC, where our hero is abandoned with his girlfriend on a, on a completely um, uncivilised and unpopulated planet. Mm. And within, I think, 18 months, has a hydroelectric power plant, metal forging, and uh, is, is building vacuum tubes for, for interplanetary radio. <laughs> I think he may end up building a spaceship as well, I don't remember.
0: Yeah, I think that may be an extreme case, but I, I do feel that for the feel of space opera, there should be a way, if we're going to do this, of jury rigging, of saying, I want to do this, and I think I can use these, what happens? It may not be something everybody does, but it should certainly be something that can happen in the world. Scotty should be able to do this, and you don't need to spend months in the lab trying to work it out. No, uh, there should be stuff that you can throw together. Heavily storytelling systems like Hero Quest, or uh, uh, Hero Quest specifically, uh, say you can do this, and it also has a mechanic. If and if you forget to spend the uh, hero points on solidifying that ability, it goes away because for plot reasons.
1: Yeah, that seems, seems a reasonable approach. And part of the problem is that you're going to end up building up an equipment list of problem-solving devices,
0: which can be used again if, if you don't have a mechanics roughly along those lines. True. I think it's it's a challenge to the GM's ingenuity to find another problem that they they can't possibly solve that way and then see what they come up with this time. But then if you wanted an easy life, you wouldn't be a GM. And Indeed.
1: Thinking about equipment in general, uh, role-playing games have been described uh, originally. Fantasy role-playing games were described as fantasy shopping for guys. Oh god! I'd be, you, know, uh... you 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 can pick your abilities, you can pick your spells, you can pick your whatever's. Yeah. And in in a advanced civilization where you actually have shops.
0: Yeah. Th- this may be even truer. And matter duplicators, and and who knows what? I I find it hard enough to uh, to say to my fantasy players. Um, no, sir. I'm afraid there are no um, uh, matrices of that particular spell in the shop this week. Had a terrible run on them.
1: No, no, no good today. Come back tomorrow.
0: Come back to, to well, yes, yes, we did. We did have a magic sort of uh, that will that will kill a basilisk, but I'm afraid, um, I'm afraid it was, it was snapped up last week by the Basilisk Defence League. Well, quite.
1: But you so yeah, anymore. some players at least are happy to look for hours through books of equipment. Hmm. Some are not.
0: Yeah, and some are going to be uh, are going to be bored. Well, one's problem is when one has uh, two players of opposite kinds at the table. It requires your um, your best diplomacy as a as a GM.
1: Some sort of standard equipment loadout can be helpful here. In a military campaign, you can have w- what you get as standard issue kit already on somebody's character sheet, and then then if they don't care about fiddling with it. They can have that, and it will be reasonably yeah. useful.
0: But on the other hand, going out and playing a bunch of uh, merchants on the on the fringes of civilization and scavenging for stuff that will get keep your ship going for another for another week is uh, is also a shtick that you you want to be able to incorporate. Another
1: thing that tends to come into space opera
0: quite a lot is psionics. Oh
1: yes, which. Well, one suspects that this got started because of the actual research being being done mm-hmm. uh, in, in the 30s and onwards, um, genuine beliefs that there might be something approximating psychic powers available. Yeah. Um, and Ron Hubbard, and, they are yeah. looking at you. And, well, yes, but the real research as well. But I think that because of that um, gr- grounding in research, it was always deliberately not magic. It, it works by rules, mm. which, of course, makes it very suited for being treated as magic in role playing games because that also works by rules. Yeah. The canonical example of this I think was the first edition of Space Master where well the actual spell lists were different the the system and the mechanics were exactly the same as in Roll Master except they replaced the word spell by the word style.
0: Yes, the uh, that, this is lazy and, and uh, all game developers out there please don't do that. Make things feel different. I feel that even different types of magic should feel different and have different Mechanics and people who can say I, I can do this because I'm a sorcerer, and not one of your lousy priests.
1: Psionics often seem to be balanced by some degree of social stigma. Mm. Um, so to some extent, this is in the source material. We
0: we don't like those guys. They can read minds. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely convinced that this is a real phenomenon, but people do have uh, a tendency towards envy and dislike of the other, which you can't you can't deny. The other. Means of controlling it is is, the, is how, giving it a price to uh, to pay for it for its use. You read people's minds. The price is you find out what's in their minds. <laughs> um, you uh, you attempt to uh, you attempt to lift a battleship with your mind alone, and the price might be a very nasty rupture of some important part of your brain or body.
1: Well, think, thinking about the leverage principle, you may just end up finding finding your brain is driven three hundred feet into the ground. Okay, the great and powerful
0: turtle can do it.
1: (laughs) I I think one of the reasons psionics has a bit of a reputation as much can bait is they don't care about social stigma. Everybody hates me. Oh, well, that's fine. I'll evaporate
0: them. (laughs) Yeah, I think, well, I think also looking at it um, culturally and mythologically speaking, we want to believe there's a price to pay for um, power of any sort. Um, it's, It's the just world fallacy. We want to believe the people who are rich, for instance, are, and people who are beautiful, have other things wrong with their lives to compensate for the fact that they have this stuff that we don't. And I suspect that, that part of it is also part of balancing the character. Um, Certainly if you're, if you're in a system that that tries to have some sort of balance between player characters, and I think most of them do. Yeah. Um, this, the, uh, we want to say, it, and from the GM's point of view, from the, from the story's point of view, it's all to the good because it makes it makes things more interesting, uh, more diverse. But I'm fairly sure you could run a game in which the sonics are the uh, uh, the people in charge and very nice and noble chaps. Oh, I think I've just reinvented the Zodani from Traveller. They were always a bit problematic,
1: partly because they had so many different authors writing about them. You know, are, are, are they the um, secret police who? Uh, You you wake up, you have your brain scanned and make sure your thoughts are properly aligned before you do anything else. Are they trying to be enlightened about it? Are are they a vile dictatorship? Well, it really depends on the point of view. and There wasn't ever ever a consistent answer to
0: that. Well, no, I don't think the inconsistency is a a bad thing any more than I think the inconsistency in say gorantha is a bad thing. There there are various points of view and uh, I'm not entirely sure if I would like to live in the enlightened Zadami Empire, whereas you as you say, the happiness police, um, they call them su- something else, but that's what they are, come along and say, You're looking depressed, citizen. Um, would you like some help with that? Please come to our retraining facilities. But yes, the the standard shtick, and this becomes more interesting in Babylon five, is that the Scions are distrusted and in Babylon five they give us a yes, and there's damn good reason for that because those two evil is done are doing evil back at you. Shifting gears somewhat, I, th- I think
1: one of the reasons that science fiction gaming has never been quite as popular as fantasy gaming, mm. apart from the fact that it simply didn't come first, yeah. is that there isn't really a, a generic science fiction setting in the way that there's generic fantasy in imitation of Tolkien. Mm, there are um, standard sticks. Yes, but getting a handle on a setting is tricky because you don't know up front what's going to be going in. Mm. If you're in a fantasy game, it's reasonable to assume that a bloke with a sword is going to have a reasonably good chance of making his way in the world. Uh, if if you see something that the GM describes as a, as a, as a goblin or a troll, mm. you know roughly what that is. It's a big monster. It's a small monster.
0: Yeah.
1: But in science fiction, right? Well, what does a blaster do? What, what is a chiknatu? What does it look like? What is it going to eat me? Yeah.
0: Well, I, th- I think I think yeah. Well, you'll you'll establish what the if will or all those things called in in Stargate, the Zach yell, who by by seeing and doing the blaster is definitely pick it up and you zap somebody with it. Um, I I, I know what you mean. There are I've had problems introducing fantasy fantasy worlds from from time to time. When it gets away from this is a man with a sword, that once 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 you're away away from the hairy barbarian level, it does get more complicated. I know what you, what you mean. Almost any world is going to get complicated um, once, it, once you get away from this is a village being raided by um, by bandits. Your job is to stop them.
1: I think a lot
0: of science was... fiction, a lot of space opera,
1: is deliberately set in more civilised settings. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, obviously, you, you can go to a frontier world and, and do that sort of thing, but you are expecting at least some of the time to be in a place where you've got a huge city, where you've got police, where you've got... yeah inconveniences yeah you've got standard ways of doing things and if you don't behave in the standard way people are going to look at you
0: yeah but this also leads to um the 1950s or uh, in in the far future or the 1960s or wherever it is you grew up we we do tend to project our world now into 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 the future and fairly often our world in the past Into the future, as I said, I've heard
1: it argued that all science fiction is, is, it to some extent commenting on the situation when it was being written.
0: Yeah, and to some extent that is a bit dull. I've always felt, Um, but we can only conceive of the things we have, um, the things we have some basis for. I think it's odd. I've always thought it odd that American right-wing authors tend to introduce monarchies into their far futures. They will call themselves Republicans, but I suspect in their hearts, they really want there to be a landed aristocracy. and They imagine themselves as part of it. I
1: suspect some of that is because they functionally, there's something approximating nobility, but it's just based on money. Wouldn't it be better if they had some sort of birthright thing and actually were brought up to do the job rather than just having lots of money? Yeah. Would, wouldn't it be nice if they wore silly
0: robes and, and things occasionally? Honestly, I, I, I rather want there to be, as I said, a Roritanian nobility. I, I, lo- I like the idea of the noble houses in din and uh, the emperor above them, and the, and the faction fighting at court. I've seen uh, treatments of that very early role playing game on guard, um, which yeah. uh, w- which uses that sort of, that sort of background, and I think you could make very good use of that sort of thing with something like Rain. There is, or was, a, a Dune a role-playing game, Dune Chronicles in the Imperium, but uh, very few... <laughs> it's one of the great tragedies that very few copies were uh, were printed, and then they immediately lost the license. Yeah. And uh, it's now worth a, a small fortune on e- eBay. If you have a, a copy and you haven't sold it yet, we, remember, we told you about this. So if if, if you want to introduce
1: setting. And what, one way, of course, is, is blatantly base it on something else. I, I ran that game but blatantly based on aliens mm-hmm. and said so. And so if if my description was lacking somewhere, the players could fill it in more or less. Yeah, you know, Spaceships are great big lumbering things. Guns are mostly going to be firing bullets rather than lasers
0: and so on. The other way to do the introduction is to do the Luke Skyward Orca Gambit. You are born on this um, backwater world, you know a big bit about stuff, and then you're going out and you're going to you're going to discover it.
1: And discovering things a bit at a time, I think, is is the only practical way to do it, because otherwise you're back to the I want you I want the players to read this ten page essay, mm. which they're not going to do.
0: Um, I think there there is a there is something to be said about uh, we perhaps ought to do a future segment about how to introduce your world. But I will mm. agree, there's a limit. I'm not going to say they won't read anything, but I will say ten pages probably. A bit much those so specific things I and mean,
1: spaceships vary
0: a lot from one, one setting to another yeah some of
1: that is focus is is the spaceship the base for the group is it the thing that takes them from one adventure to another
0: well it's it's at the core of traveler it's in the name and firefly the tv series and the and the game uh, being in the ship keeping it going and and uh, doing semi-legal and outright illegal things to keep it going, and that—that's certainly
1: the approach of Classic Traveller. Um, the the default campaign, more or less, was we are a bunch of people who've clubbed together to buy a merchant ship, and we have to make the bank payments. Yeah, and uh, in the least, in the later editions of the system, it was deliberately rigged so that you couldn't do this just by trading. So um, you had so you, you were forced to take on other jobs. You
0: uh, it was it was deliberately crippled.
1: I believe in Mega Traveller that that was actually said said at one point though I may be completely wrong so tell us if tell us if I am hmm. uh, in original Traveller you could just about stay ahead of the bank if, uh, if you had a decent trader
0: in your group. I seem to recall trying to trying to work the GERP's Traveller trade system and coming to the conclusion there was something deeply broken about it. Um, I found exactly the opposite. But such oh well such a uh yeah, um, the, the the fact that I'm not a rules maven uh, tends to disqualify me. And when one of my players says, look, this doesn't make sense here, and this, and this, I tend to believe
1: them. The economics degree probably helped
0: in my case. Oh, right. Well, in that case, you can probably explain it to me if I ever try and do that again. That uh, certainly
1: assumptions about spaceships are something one's, one's going to have to deal with. Um, well, and also even things like, you know, do, do you land your big spaceship on a planet or do you dock in orbit? Can, can you simply land anywhere
0: you like, or does it have to be at the port? Um, the, these are things, that and, uh, and, and the classic the, the reason that the transporter is in Star, Star Trek is that somebody in the early development said that Do you really want to uh, spend the money on the special effects for landing this thing every time? Because it's going to have to land somewhere differently each time. Yeah, so you can't just reuse the shot. It makes something of a difference. I'm not sure I've ever thought that space combat should be a, a large part of um, what of what happens. But for me, space combat that is so is likely to be so insanely dangerous that I don't want to kill the characters too easily. And anything, any realistic chance of, well, unless you're doing the Eve thing and everybody's got a, an escape pod and a, and a backup clone somewhere, then hmm. um, their characters are going to die if they're going to space combat. I've never quite understood or believed the heroism displayed by the Royal Manticoran Navy in the Honor Harrington books. They keep going out there under Honor Harrington when they know she's going to slaughter half a command in order to gain her great victories. It's part of her plot immunity. Yeah. Yeah but it notice. doesn't extend to the to the to the lower ranks. No, her her well. plot immunity is
1: that the lower ranks don't notice <laughs> <laughs> again, look, looking at the classic traveller campaign, you've got a merchant ship which might have a laser on board. A laser, some missiles and a sandcaster, I think, is, is luxury. But anybody who's going to be coming out and pirating at you is going to have more than that.
0: Well, I don't know. You do have to... Um, you could probably stand up to, a, uh, to an S-class scout, but I wouldn't go pirating an S-class scout. Where do you put the loot? Well, not quite. Well, you're trying to take the other ship away from them.
1: Yeah. but That's another thing that um, falls out of genre assumptions to some extent. If you've got a hyperdrive that basically gets you from one civilised place to another civilised place, you're not going to have piracy because there's, there's no way for it to happen unless there's some dubious legal loophole in some civilised places
0: unofficially allowed. Well, I think if, I think if there's no the, way for the pirates to solve their loot, there isn't going to be piracy. The technical fix, the, the, the technological fix to, to ensure that is you can't, you can't just come in right next to the planet, where which is where you want to be. You have to jump into the system out uh, beyond the beyond, beyond the, the asteroid belt in, uh, yep. in in Earth terms. And there's a lot of places a pirate can hide in an asteroid belt. Depending to some extent on what,
1: what realism you've got. Um, but yes, you need to have something like that set up. Um, you need to have some way the pirates can escape before however, however many police are about can chase them down.
0: Yeah. Uh, they need to have Absolutely. somewhere to go. I assume that in Traveller, the pirates are sitting there waiting with their fuel tanks full, ready to jump out at a moment's trouble. But given, as, as you say, legally, it's, it's damned hard to make a a, a living and support a, a ship. Um, I'm not sure. And another problem with, tra- with Traveller, in fact, uh, a problem with all sh- uh, systems in which you have... Um, the characters owning spaceships. It's not so much more sensible to settle down on a settle down thing, settle down on a planet and live comfortably. But you have to have quite mad player characters. But again this probably isn't a problem. Piracy in Traveller is
1: one of those things that varies an awful lot from one universe to another. Mm. Partly because it was it was never really
0: defined up front. Yeah, who buys all those ships off the pirates? The the, the barbarians beyond the borders, presumably, the barbarians. And uh, people like that, who really don't care. Um, Should we take a look at some specific games? About-
1: well, just, just for all a right. minute, let's think about Aliens, okay? Because that that is another classic space sort opera of thing, particularly in response to Star Wars, which just has lots of them and never really looked at in any great detail.
0: Why well, part. That's true. Again, the problem with Aliens is is the problem is the one tone aliens. Yeah. Um, is the Klingons who are the warrior, honourable warrior aliens, and the Romulans who are the sneaky. Uh, imperialist aliens, and they and they think it is not logical, Captain.
1: Even if they are all of one culture, it shouldn't shouldn't really be less complex than a single human culture. But of course, it's going to end up being simply because a single GM or a single author isn't going to be able to invent that much detail.
0: Well, the, I mean, some of the traveler I will I will say nice things about mega travelers, Some of the mega traveller material did start to go into background detail enough because. By that stage, the line had existed long enough that um, people had thought about things, and they were starting to tell you things about the Aslan and the um, and the zadami and the, even the Varga. Basically, um, basically, are bipedal intelligent dogs. One wolves. I think it's worth noting it was something like ten years after
1: first publication that the actual alien modules came out. Hmm. But, okay, yeah. Th- thinking about sensitive games, I, th- I think the The grand old man of science fiction gaming,
0: is including tra- space opera, is, is Traveller. Well, the second, I think, it was the second role playing game I ever bought back um, when there was just the thrill black box and the three black books, and I was quite thrilled uh, by it. I I played a lot of fairly routine Traveller. I must say I was never great, a great um, innovator, but uh, it, there is there was something about um, creating your own universe and uh, and and designing the cultures that, and just jumping from star to star, trying to make a profit.
1: One of the um, virtues of it, I think, in its original form was that while there were implications about the sort of universe that was out there, Mm. uh, as in it's somewhere that you have merchant ships jumping from star to star. You have nobles. Yeah, um, but they, they didn't go into details about this. It was only in the supplements that you started getting the actual third imperium, the, the actual star maps for particular places it was it was assumed that, that the g m would generate his own areas and uh, fill in a certain amount of detail for himself yeah which which did make it very much more adaptive to the sort of game people wanted to play
0: I nonetheless know. it wasn't it isn 't the way GURPS uh, g- g- space is uh, a total toolkit that that there are lots of things built I, into the character generation right? From yeah I,
1: I would say there is an, there is an implicit not specifically detailed universe. But if you wanted to adapt it to, say, Star Trek, mm-hmm. you was, you would have to do a bit of wrenching.
0: Yeah, and take off the nobility for a start. It, it was very much a war game games inspired setting. There there were mili- there were military uh, forces, and you are almost certain to have a party which uh, consisted of uh, of veterans retired from retired from the service. Uh, that the Imperium seems to have assume that uh, everybody's going to serve a term wasn't quite Heinlein's Federation, but um, uh, and this
1: this was the classic system in which you could indeed die during character generation. Yeah, they, they have fixed that now.
0: I th- I they, think they 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 went out. See, I think it's a lot more interesting if you if you are if you're invalided out without a leg, but, but then you <laughs> just have to start all over again. Come on.
1: But, but anyway, I think be, it would be fair to say Traveller took its inspiration from. Classic SF of
0: the fifties, for the most part, fifties
1: and, and sixties. D- the- Dumarest, Foundation stories, H. Bean Piper's Space Viking, that sort of thing. Yeah,
0: and there are there are lots of uh, of um, Easter eggs and uh, and tributes to the science fiction of that pe- period. And it has to be said in the in the the tech, as, especially the spaceship tech as it's depicted, it's it's clunkier than you would believe. Um,
1: a computer is a great big thing that weighs many tons.
0: Yeah. Uh, they, they tried to explain that uh, explain around that late, later on, but I, I, I don't think it was ever terribly credible. So that the first edition was
1: 77, about the same time, I don't remember the exact order, there was also space opera, which I believe was yeah. sufficiently complex that I remember one piece of GM advice in one of the rule books that you should simply not kill PCs because it takes too long to
0: generate a new one. <laughs> I I, I do do recall trying to get to the end of Space Opera character generation and throwing up my hands. Other Suns was also in there, but um, died even more obscurely than Space Opera, I seem to recall.
1: Laserburn was used a bit for role-playing, but it was more of a miniature system, really, Mm. miniature combat. Um, But anyway, Traveller went along for quite a while. Yeah, Um, and it's still going along. Uh, Many books, many supplements. Well, yeah, but then Mega Traveller in 87. Yeah. Traveller was kind of groaning under the weight of lots of special case rules for things that hadn't been thought of when it was written. Mm. Many games do this. Mega Traveller was
0: meant to integrate that. It also changed the system somewhat. More than somewhat. There were, it was, the basic resolution seemed seemed to change entirely, but the stat blocks and the character generation system was certainly familiar from first edition, if a bit more complicated. Yeah. Part of the difficulty with versions of Traveller
1: is that they tend to be associated with particular versions of the setting. So Classic Traveller eventually became the game of the Third Imperium. It's a fairly big, fairly static, multi-stellar empire. Uh, Mega Traveller had the Rebellion plotline, which was, as quite a lot of game companies did in the late 80s, it was developed in more or less real time as supplements came out. There there would be
0: new news from from the front. Yeah. It was also... A tendency to be miserableist which was also uh, yeah. a tendency uh, of the 80s everything's go- going to shit and this is going to be more interesting than than the big stable and i'm not entirely convinced of that
1: so then then there was a new era which was right the rebellion finally came to a head a dubious virus got loose and civilization has collapsed now you are going out and rediscovering.
0: and i thought we should say the virus was an electronic it was a crystalline life form originally um, which somehow jumped and uh, became sentient after somebody unwisely meddled with it and jumped into everybody's computers. So, it, it was um,
1: deployed in everybody's uh, spaceship transponders because it was very difficult to
0: fake or duplicate. And when it went, or oh, when it went uh, belly up, every computer in the empire suddenly became um, hostile, intelligent, and um, generally um, not good news. So, if, for example, brothers. If you
1: were living on a floating gravitic city several miles above the surface of the planet, well, that's kind of bad news. Blot. So I think there are mixed feelings about New Era. If it hadn't been the feeling that the the company was taking your toys away and saying, right, you can't have the Imperium anymore, yeah, it might have been more popular than it was. The idea of we know roughly what's out there, but we need to go out and explore and find it hmm. is a good one. It's just a pity that it was tied to no more Imperium.
0: Yeah, about that time, as I say, there was Media Nought, which was Mark Miller doing a, a retro, a retro clone of his own creation. Yeah, um, and a little later there was Gerb's Traveller, which said, "Look, you can have the Third Imperium after all in this alternate history, but with our own house, house system." I am quite fond though, of GURPS Traveller, and what, yeah. what, what 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 travel I've run recently has been has been using Gerb's Traveller. Though, as I say, there are bits of it that um, I'm not entirely sure work.
1: What one could call mainline Traveller, I suppose. Uh, there, there was um, the one known as T4, which e- even the authors admit where it was a bit rushed. Yeah. And there, there is now T5, which I believe is just going out to its Kickstarter supporters. It'll be interesting to see what what uh, that looks like. But the setting has been licensed for a lot of other systems. There was T20, which is the D20 system version. There's Mongoose Traveller now, which is pretty close to it's the a, original system. It, it,
0: it, it's, a, it's a smarter I from what I've looked at it's a smarter version of something very like the, the original Black Books.
1: It's still using 2D6 and your stats still go down when you're injured but the, there's a bit more of a solid modern game design framework behind it to keep that yeah. going. There was Traveller Hero, tra- converting Traveller to the Hero system, that's fairly obscure. And of course traveler, hmm. Which for me, I, I particularly value because there were two truly excellent supplements among the many pretty good ones. Uh, first in, which was the solar system generation and exploration and far trader, which was how to define the economic system
0: in a sense that players can engage with. I must, uh, there are two um, supplements, which I'd like to, to mention, which are entirely non, um, non system, well, mostly non system based. And that was GERP Starports, which was the late, God bless him, John M. Ford, Taking the most mundane thing—the the, the 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 places you land your, your ship and making it into an epic interstellar setting—and uh, and nobles, which was about the uh, what you do when you are when you have got um, uh, all, all those people hanging around you and saying saying, "My lord," um, but that, I think that's uh, that's more more my, my interest. As I say, I like rococo. Um, uh, and Baroque political settings.
1: Most recently, in the GURPS side of things, there's been interstellar wars for 4th edition. Yeah. The, uh, which is the very early days of Earth's expansion in, out into the universe, and hang on, there are people here already,
0: Yeah, and they don't think much of us. Uh, that That is a, a very interesting and very possible uh, setting. If you're, uh, if you're willing to allow official history to get uh, warped by your player characters, and I I usually am but then I think that's a that's a, a wonderful place to 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 set any sort of bench
1: one problem I will admit I have with the traveler universe, particularly in in the um imperium era, yeah. is that there is just so much stuff yeah. uh, that as as a GM one feels one ought to be trying making attempts to read, but there's just an awful lot of it And mm. th- this is why when I last ran a Free trader campaign in that style ended up defining my own universe simply so that I could say, right, here is the background material. There is no more than this, except what's in my head.
0: Yeah. We probably ought to do something uh, about uh, designing our own own setting for all sorts of games at a a, a later day. But I would say that one of my my standard approaches to say, I know this much and this much, and I'll find out by playing what else is true. I will. I will admit that I feel the temptation to if I run something is to put the background in and then uh, and then see what's important to the players and to the to the story as we go. And to some extent, one can let the players help in defining things like this. So. One should yeah, it's. Uh, um, it, it's one of the things I take away from Apocalypse World and Dungeon World and um, that line of games is you play to find out what's the, what the world is like.
1: Yeah. The default traveller setting is mostly about humans, or at least
0: people who look like humans, even if their DNA is a bit different. Hmm. There are there are a few um, exceptions. The hivers are truly weird, and so are the centaurs, the Cree, the uh, evil, mu- evil bastards. They're, they're militant vegetarians, and I can imagine a certain certain set of our, our um, uh, of our listeners will will sympathise with them, <laughs> but. Um, there was also, uh, moving away from Traveller for a moment, um, there was also uh, uh, what was called Traveller 2300, but um, wasn't really much to do, do with it. It was sort of connected with um, uh, the new era mechanics. But um...
1: Well, it was the original... Well, originally there was Twilight 2000, which was a separate game from Gtw who published Traveller. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the post-apocalypse survival on Earth. They ran an internal high-level war game taking the various nations of the world forward. And the universe that resulted from that was, because Mark Miller apparently felt that a science fiction game about going from place to place should be called Traveller, was originally published as Traveller 2300. It was The second edition was called 2300 AD. Yeah. But that, that was what became the GDW house system, the, the one that was first invented for Twilight 2000. Mm-hmm. Very heavy emphasis on combat because it was that sort of game to start with. Yeah though the other skill systems work pretty well too. This was the one that was trying to be a hard science fiction setting, so I don't think we're going to talk about it a lot today except to mention that
0: people who thought it was something to do with Traveller got very confused. Uh, Yeah, I was. Shall we talk about some other games? Diaspora, we've already mentioned. It's intended to be I think, a modern retro clone of Traveller. It is about small ships going from from system to system, but as we've said, it it initially sets you up in a cluster of of worlds, and one of the strange things about it is that it limits technology by saying there's only so much of it a human being can stand.
1: When when it gets high enough, it becomes either it or the people running it become unstable and prone to do strange
0: things and become as gods, and it it all gets very confusing. It's an interesting system. I'm, uh, it's fate, so I'm fairly convinced I don't understand it. But it has some interesting shticks. It seems to emphasise the realistic, that's in quotes, air quotes here, space drive bit, enough to be inconvenient, but still have uh, uh, interstellar travel. It, it has some big chunky technology level jumps, which really
1: means that you're not going to have a meaningful spaceship combat unless both ships are the same tech
0: level. Yeah. Because one of them is quite literally going to be able to run rings around the other. If, it, As I say, it feels like an attempt to do traveller with new, more modern mechanics, but the setting seems to me to be quite the opposite of uh, of, of space opera. They want there are, there are hard limits across h- how high-tech things can get and how far you can travel, and that doesn't quite seem to me to have the... It, there, there ought to be a certain level of optimism in, in, in space opera, I feel, a certain sense of human or sentient capabilities to do things yeah i th- I think part of this is to
1: try to remove the some of the administrative burden of keeping track of lots and lots of different worlds yeah. if you've got you know six or ten worlds that are sufficiently different, then that can be a reasonably good canvas to run a campaign on
0: yeah i, I but as I say, you might find an excuse to say there are uh, uh, where we are now are just the, are just the worlds in this sector, but there's lots and lots of stuff beyond
1: um yeah, I'm, certainly my tendency is to say there is a huge universe out there, and if you want to go out and explore it, give me a few weeks' warning and I'll write it. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? Well, GURPS space is a bit different in that it is not a setting. It
0: is a toolkit for designing. As most uh, uh, stuff is. Oh, it's, space, a good, it's a damn good toolkit, uh, I, I must say. I've not explored the spaceship building bits because... I... Um, uh, that that's a separate subseries, yeah. But it's it's one you're going to need if you're going to be seriously designing um, an interstellar travelling.
1: Yeah, but what GURPS Space will give you is, for example, here are a bunch of different sorts of hyperdrive, and here is the sort of plots that they will
0: enable yeah. or disable. Yeah, the, as with as with all the GURPS uh, core um, genre books, it looks at the at the tropes and shticks and says, here's what they imply. And that's one thing we should say. Should have said about technology is it's the GM's job and uh, to, to take a look at each bit of technology he introduces and say, well, what does this imply? Um, I say it's your job. I say it's something you better do because you, if you don't, the players will do it for you.
1: And the players will take time to say, we can use
0: this thing with this other thing. And, oh look, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, dear, I hadn't thought of that. It's the cry of the distressed SFGM. It it also has uh, what was obviously derived from the work they did on um, GERP's Traveller First In, uh, very good um, uh, solar system design, which, as I say, really needs computerising. Solar system design is one of those things that has a nasty habit of becoming obsolete as our telescopes get better. Look, I'm not going to worry about about it until uh, until they manage the first jump to Alpha Centauri. Until then, I'm perfectly happy to have an approximation. As, as long
1: as it seems reasonably consistent, uh, there, there is uh, a GURPS setting which I think has been somewhat neglected. Yeah. possibly because it was released only as a PDF rather than as a hard copy. As uh, GURPS Tales
0: of the Solar Patrol. Uh, yeah. I, all right, I, the Solar Patrol does not get out of the solar system, but this but, is, but I would argue it is still space opera. It's well, got atomic yeah. batteries. It's got mega barriers. It's got Tesla coils. Oh, fine. Nice. <laughs> Life. He's got he's got uh, square jawed men with steely grins and vacuum tubes. Absolutely, it, it, it's an alternate history twenty fifty six where transistors were never invented, but other stuff was. Hmm.
1: Starkly incomprehensible energies, um, jo- jovian mental adepts. It, it, it's all there, and,
0: and evil subhuman dictators in the moons of moons of, uh, of Io or wherever it is you know out there, out there where there are lots of moons and stuff. Yes, yes, I have read it. <laughs> I'm not entirely convinced there's a lot of depth. Uh, perhaps not, but how much depth is less Lensman, really? Well, yeah, well, there is also GURPS Lensman, we sh- we should probably mention.
1: Yes, not 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 updated for 4th edition, but really, I, th- I think if you're running Lensman with rules, you're possibly missing the point anyway.
0: Well, yes. I actually don't think GURPS is quite suitable for uh, for for... Or something like that, Lensman, which needs a starkly incomprehensible system. So, I, I would be looking for a system that lets you say, Fortunately, I've invented this. Yeah, I think, I think the case for, for a hero quest setting for uh, Lensman is, uh, is, hmm. is fairly strong. You, you mentioned Burning Empires. Burning Empires is an oddity. I have not managed to read all the way through it. Oh, my life! It may be partly my reaction to um, the core system. Burning Wheel, which is one of those games my friend I threw across the room and sold off, um, having having tried to get through the character generator. It is, as I say, a setting in which humanity's great unified empire has collapsed in civil war, and there are these very nasty mind-controlling worms which are coming in to take over and uh, reuse all the human beings they can capture. As uh, as hosts for their um, uh, for their nasty parasitic uh, interstellar civilization, so nobody you meet can be trusted, even if you thought you knew them. Yeah, yeah. alarmingly, the setting, uh, the, the way they, they, they set it up, seems to involve each individual player deciding which side they're going to be on, hey. with, and the, the gradual build up um, to a resolution. Either the uh, either the humans manage to fight off the the on, on, on of the worms this time. Uh, or they don't um, in a, st- a set of stages, which are built into the mechanics of the game. It's a very interesting setting. It's not something that I, I would personally leap t- towards because, as I say, I tend to want uh, more optimism out of my, uh, out of my far future um, settings. It has, which is an- another shtick you you tend to get uh, an interstellar church whose um as i say, i haven't read it all whose precise doctrines and theological stance seems to be less important than the fact they go around having inquisitors and heresies and things like that oh that's the fun stuff yeah yeah but i, I like to have i have this interest in theology and i like to have a certain <laughs> sense of what's actually going on i may be doing that it's an injustice it's it, if you liked um if you liked uh, burning wheel and i know there are people who do then I think uh, Burning Empires is a very much a product you want to, to look at. It does set its limits. One world, one invasion, and the world is designed by the group making decisions about um, what's the atmosphere like? Are there aliens here? Um, what's our tech level like? Who rules us? In what sort of structure? But it's not for me because, because of the, the pessimism and, and the darkness in it, but uh, other people other people might like it more.
1: Uh, what one system that I think deserves at least a brief mention is uh, Space Master, uh, which... Why, for the love of God, why? <laughs> I'll get you over to it eventually. It is more or less what one, what one would expect if one started with the Role Master rule set and said, right, I want to make the science fiction a version of this. So, yes, there, there is a fair bit of emphasis on shooting people. Yeah. But there is also um, a reasonably solid um, system of technology and building and repairing stuff and designing new stuff and things Rollmaster was fairly good on. is a reasonably rich set of interpersonal skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can get a horribly misassorted party, which is always a good thing. Um, it it um, drew uh, quite a few supplements, a um, variety of companions and extra rules, and yeah, all we'll right, some of them were bigger guns. It, it also spawned a, a um, perfectly playable little spaceship
0: combat system, which was which mm-hmm. issued as a distinct board game. Yeah, I, I I notice you don't say anything much about setting. The setting was
1: fairly sketchy to start with. It, it, it was more there than it is in Original Traveller. Uh, well, there, yeah, I was not saying that much. There, but there yeah. is an actual background chapter that says, right, basically there is the Imperium. There are these houses that feud with each other. It's basically Mercantile, but they're not above blowing up a spaceship or two occasionally. Mm. They do have navies. There, there is an implication that it might be moving towards a civil war but it, it was published in an era when Metaplot wasn't a big thing. Mm. So while well, that was progressing a little bit in some of the supplements uh, it uh,
0: ne- never really became a full scale matter. We should probably talk about the curse of Metaplot at a, at a, at a later time. I have scars still in, in my in my GMing circuits from the times I tried to run Rollmaster and, uh, and uh, <laughs> The Lord, first Lord of the Rings game, and um, and, and so, on the whole, you know, you have got a, you've got your work cut out for you. Here.
1: I I used to use the rolemaster space master system a great deal for about ten years. Um, I then went into GURPS and I'm generally happy with GURPS now.
0: As I always say, it, if you if you can find a system, and it feels instinctive and easy to use for you, then please do not pay any attention to those like me who. Um, who occasionally sneer at, say, Rollmaster or throw copies of Burning Wheel across across the room. Absolutely. And we have mentioned Dune Chronicles of the Imperium. I would um, uh, I I don't know what, what what it's like. Anybody who actually has ever owned a copy and then very sensibly sold it on for a profit, um, should probably write and tell us. I feel that they despite the fact that um Nobody's ever going to be able to afford the license again, I suspect. There is um, a lot to be mined out of the, the Dune books. And a lot of, a lot of the modern sticks of, of science fiction, space operatic role-playing, derive from there as a the primary source. And if anybody could write a really good Dune-like system and setting, I think it would find a market
1: it's much more I think on the Baroque side of things than something like Traveller tends to be hmm. and that that flavour is well worth capturing um, but it's much more willing to say well yes I have a palace in space <laughs> because I can
0: I am a hugely obese man and I float around in my grav belt um, having sex with pretty young boys why is that bit sticking in my mind when you think about the palace <laughs> <laughs> It, it's um it's got uh the, the right the rival houses um which brings in the whole samurai and uh, and honor thing uh, the war between daimyos there is a whole a subset of um space opera which is anime based which uh, really hasn't been terribly well represented in role-playing games as yet there has been some stuff for big eyes small mouth but I don't actually understand much of the the, the Japanese um, mecha and, um, and spaceship stuff, but it is out there. A lot of it tends to involve a huge
1: galactic empire coming to Earth and fighting over it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's nice to know you want it, isn't it? Yeah. What have we left unsaid? Uh, if, if you were starting a new new space opera game, what system would you pick? All right. Probably GURPS. Um, there's a lot of support, and i uh, as i said my my current back of my mind if i if about number three of my when I get around to it list of uh, gaming projects is to start a space opera game with the, hundreds, the hundred nearest stars to to earth i've got a uh, a poster of them on my wall with accurate distance and, uh, and position. Uh, coordinates, so I can say those, those
1: data are online as well. So,
0: so and I, I, can, I can I don't have to start with a flat map from from, from Traveler. I can say um, I can set the the capabilities of the space drive in order to make how much of it I want uh, available. I'm sort of halfway between uh, the idea of we get a, 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 a Earth-based empire going out so far and then encountering something, or starting with Earth as it is, or a near-future Earth going out and discovering what's out there. I think that's what I want the, uh, the Gerps planet generation, uh, solar system generation system to be mechanised for. That's, that's where, where I... Uh, that, the, the two ends, either a completed Earth conquest of the near stars and then go from there or start with with Earth and see what random
1: chance provides me with. One of my weaknesses as a GM is that I like to look at transformative moments, hmm. which are fine for one-shot adventures, where the player characters can be involved in whatever that moment is, you know, the first contact, yeah. uh, the end of the war, whatever,
0: yeah. but not so good for an ongoing campaign where you need to think, okay, what do we do next? True, and realistically speaking, the, the same people are not going to be involved with the, First contact with aliens and the first interstellar war and all the stuff that follows at a, at a distance. There might be a case for saying, "All right, now we jump ahead twenty five years," in something like that. And in GURPS, that could be doable, but it yeah. um, would would tend to detach the players from their sense of um, from their sense of commitment to ongoing character play.
1: Well, one might start thinking about player factions rather than player
0: characters, but then it all gets terribly complicated. Well, yeah, I... um, What was I going to say? There is a game called Microscope, which I will mention, it's an indie game, which is very good for working out backgrounds of large-scale historical movements, both for for all sorts of games, for fantasy, for science fiction. You say, here's the start point, here's the end point, what happens in between and um, it's really a very neat system and i've used it to, to inspire a fantasy setting that, I, that i've run i shall have to use that myself at some point I okay. it, it is it's very interesting and i do recommend it It's a, just a small a small game but it's you start with your players around the table and say well, what how do we get from there to there and you cover eras of time it's, very, it's it is a very useful tool what about you what are your great unfulfilled as yet where where are you going to start with something somebody else has written or something of yours I've been running
1: a lot of other people's systems and, and derivative ones recently the, the most recent um, science fiction in this sense game I ran was that uh, aliens inspired one mm. which I enjoyed and I think the players enjoyed but it was quite deliberately a very derivative thing what, what I would like to do I think next time is, is um, start with some cultures throw them at each other um, see what comes out Find find some interesting points, zero in on those, and then maybe run a campaign in there. Hmm. Let let it emerge from a clash of cultures, um, or or species, rather than starting with, okay, I want to tell this sort of story. Yeah. Because the, the the previous science fiction game I ran was, was the Traveller style one, which again was starting with right. I want to have a game about merchant spaceship crew.
0: Yeah.
1: And I will build the universe so that it enables merchant spaceship crew. Which is great from the point of view of the players, they know what they're getting. What, what I'm thinking about is something that might be a bit more ill-defined in player terms, because it would be generated to some extent as it was played.
0: Yeah. You need, you need a, a starting point, even if, you're going, even if you're going to deceive them about where it's going. You need a starting point to get them seated, seated around the table possibly something
1: along the lines of Earth First Contact. I mean, if, if we're getting back to tropes, then one of the classic ones is an alien spaceship crashes, humans mm. secretly reverse-engineer it. When the actual invasion fleet turns up, they're just about able to fight it off. Yes. And uh, then see what happens.
0: I have this plot, um, which I must use in, in writing or something somewhere, which, uh, which happens in Britain in the 1950s. And Winston Churchill, having just come back from... Uh, from Washington, where Truman has told him, "No, we're not going to tell you how the atomic bomb is made." He says, "Right, this is ours." Hmm. I, I, I didn't like independence. Day,
1: <laughs> Aliens land and destroy the White House, but later turn out to be
0: hostile. <laughs> I've run the uh, first contact um, scenario from the Traveler history. Um, that what was called the Pathfinder, um, yep. uh, running into the mining into the the, um, the mining outpost on Barnard star, and giving all terrible diseases. <laughs> anyway, I think we, we, we will wrap up, uh, the journey in, in space. space! Which reminds me, there is one game I should mention which is called In Space! by uh, Greg Stolze, and it's free, and very light-hearted and very silly. And you can find this on the web, and I do recommend it. And please write to us at podcast at techetly.ly. And we will hope to speak to you about some other very bad subject. next month. Thank you.